Hi there, you're listening to the Trinity Community Church Podcast. TCC, a home for you. Good morning, Trinity. How are you doing this morning? So I don't know if you know this or not, you are now officially the second service. Do you know that? We had a service last night, our first Saturday night service. It was absolutely amazing. God did cool stuff. So welcome to being the middle child. Not the first, how many middle children do we got in here? You and Tori could like lead a revolt, right? Middle children of the world unite, right? Um, it's good to have you here. Welcome to everybody watching us online. Um, I'm excited for this month. We have a, uh, a new series talking about miracles and things. God shows up in strange ways. So yesterday I'm, I'm driving, we had a funeral yesterday, and I'm driving to the house, and before the evening service, I got to get into a new routine. So I saw the video we sent out, and I noticed my hair looked a little, little, little rough. So I thought, I'm just going to sneak into the into haircut place real quick and just get a little trim real quick. So I went to a new place. By the way, I don't recommend going to a new place when you have an important thing to do that day. Just rolling the dice. But that's just how I live. I kind of just roll the dice sometimes. So I walked into this place up by my thing, and I walked in. There were three people sitting there, and nobody in the shop. That is a bad sign. I walk in, and I say, hey, I'm here for a haircut. And there's two older people there and then one young person there. And one of the ladies there, she goes, hey, Eric, you want to give this one a shot? That does not breathe confidence into me, but I'm too nice to run out of the place. So I sit down, and Eric, my new friend, says, sir, what would you like? He's a little young kid. I said, well, I just want a little trim. Just trim it a little bit. Just trim. I don't want anything. I don't want to be crazy. Just trim. He goes, he goes okay, I'll just give you a little trim. And I'm not making this up. He grabbed this, this set of clippers that look like you use it for your outdoor stuff. You know what I'm talking about? And I'm like, whoa, what are we doing? He's like, I'm just going to clean up some stuff. And he goes, Zing! and I watch on the little towel in front of me, a clump of gray hair fall down. I went, we're committed now. Here we go. It's happening now. I could tell he was new because he asked me, he goes, so he's trying to do small talk. So he goes, do you like food? And I go, yes, Eric, I like food. Can we just focus on this right here? And I'll be honest with you, I was nervous because I heard a lot of buzzing and chirping and snipping, and I thought, this is not going to be good. So they turned me around, and I was like, huh, that's not as bad as I thought it was. And then Robin let me in on this little dynamic that I didn't, I didn't understand before. She said, the more hair you have, the bigger your head appears. And she says, you already have a large head. Here's my point. Sometimes we think we know what we need, and sometimes we mix up what we need with what we want. God loves you so much, he doesn't always give you what you want, but he always gives you what you need. But here's the reality. If you want to experience that, beloved, you've got to put your butt in the chair and trust that he's going to do the right thing in your life. We struggle because we won't sit in the chair. <clears throat> we won't trust him because we think we've got our lives figured out. <clears throat> How many of you know? We don't, but God always does. So I want to encourage you. You may be here today, and maybe you're experiencing a little bit of fear. I think last night I met five new families. Never met them before. You know, we are, it's probably different than what they're used to. You may experience a little fear when you come in. I want to encourage you. Don't be afraid to sit in the chair. Don't be afraid to trust the Lord. Don't be afraid and don't forget that he has a better understanding of the plan of your life than you do. Right? Now, you need to hold on to that 
not just in your normal types of faith, but if you want to be a fully devoted follower of Christ, if you want to experience him and, and walk out your faith like the people in the Bible you read, there has to be a component of trust in there. If there's no component of trust, you'll never fulfill the purposes that God has for you. Your faith was never meant to be comfortable. God's number one job on the planet is not to just make you comfortable. There's a difference in being comforted and living a comfortable life. What he promised you was divine purpose. What he promised you was a reason to live. What he promised you was the call and the ability to change the world. Right? So some of you know my story. I, uh, I gave my heart to Christ as a, as a 10th grader. I was invited to church on our football team. I was a 10th grader. I was invited to church by a senior offensive tackle named Chuck Ryan. Chuck Ryan was about 6'4", 6'5", 280 pounds, got a full ride to Pitt. And he said, hey, Harris, you're coming to church with me on Wednesday. And I said, yes, sir. He was a senior. He was cool, and I didn't want to rip my arms off, so I went to church with him. I went to his church, went to the youth group, and it was like the youth pastor was speaking right to me. Two weeks later, I give my heart to Christ, and my, my life has never, ever been the same. So what was cool was this. We had guys on our football team that loved to share their faith, so one by one, a bunch of our dudes be, you know, became believers. And, and my youth pastor told me something that was crazy, and some of you, I've passed this along to you. When I first got saved, I was like, you know, I don't know what to do. i got this Bible. I don't even know where to start. He says, very simple. He says, open up your Bible. He says, start and, he goes, read the gospel. Start with Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. I said, great. He goes, then what do I do? He says, whatever you see Jesus doing, do that. Hmm, pretty good advice, huh? Do you know a lot of the stuff we do in the church, Jesus ain't about that? You know, don't follow people, follow what it is. Sorry, we read it. So this crazy thing happened. Our youth group, we started to believe that God could actually do the things that he said he could do. <laughs> right? So we're playing football. It's a Friday night. We're in Norwin, PA. It's a cold night. And we're playing there, and our team is, un we would end up being undefeated, and we won a national uh, title there. We finished like third in the nation. It was nuts. That night, one of our, our running backs goes out, and a guy tackles him low, and he breaks his leg. When I say break leg, it's like nasty. He's laying there and screaming, ah, I'll never forget it. And, and his leg's here, and you can tell his, his leg is, is shot out down about, about right here. It's so cold, they got the ambulances there and everything. They can't, the, the field is iced up. They cannot get the ambulance on the field. So they take the gurney out there to go pick him up. And it's just, I still remember the screams and we're on our knees because you're out there competing and that could be anybody out there. So I'm sitting there and another kid in our youth group, a normal kid, nothing intergalactic about him, just a normal kid. His name's Chris. He goes, hey. He goes, TJ, you know what we should do? I said, what, Chris? He goes, we should pray for him. He says, if we pray for him, God will heal him. And I was so dumb and new, I said, that sounds like a good idea. Let's do that. Because I had not figured out that God doesn't do that yet. That came later in my church world. That was a joke. <laughs> so, taking notes. Okay, so God can't do that. Let me write that down. Don't erase that. So the crazy thing happened. They bring him off on the gurney, and he's screaming and wiggling this terrible stuff. And they're taking him to the ambulance, and they come right in front of us. I don't know why. So me and Chris run next to him. Like this. And as he, we're, we're like, hey, we're gonna, can we pray for you right now? And, and he was screaming, ah! We took that as a yes. So as he's screaming, we prayed, oh, God. And, and heal Dante's leg, Lord God. Heal him, Lord God, and be with him. Amen. They put him in the ambulance, and he goes off. Monday afternoon, out 
fully dressed in all of his pads, his helmet and everything, is Dante. We're like, what are you doing here? You broke your leg. He goes, I know. He says, the craziest thing. He goes, by the time I got to the hospital, he says, he says you guys are praying for me, and I felt this warmth on my leg. And he said, by the time I got to the hospital, he goes, I was fine. He said, I told him I was fine. Now, one of the trainers was like, no, man, Dante, you broke your leg. I saw it. You broke it. He goes, I'm telling you, it's fine. They took pictures. They took x-rays. They can't find anything, and I'm here right now playing. Thank you for praying for me. I know it sounds crazy, but I'm just telling you what I experienced. Now, we are two three-month-old believers that don't know nothing other than what we believe God could possibly do. By the way, guess who was at youth group with us in the next week? Dante! Why do I tell you this story? I want to tell you this story, and I told you this story to remind you of this one thing. What God can do is real. And it's not just for yesterday. It's for now, if you believe. There's a whole section of our churches today that just, they don't operate in the supernatural. They don't believe in, the, in miracles. No, pastor, everybody believes. You know, how many of you know sometimes you could say something with your mouth, but your, your actions tell a different story? Don't let your Christianity be different than what you speak. Now, all of us, I know there's gaps in all of our, our faiths. I get that. But when it comes to miracles, take a chance. Because let's just be real. Haven't we all wondered from time to time? All of us have found ourselves in situations where we're like, Lord, I don't know why you did it this way. If it was up to me, we'd do something else. Have you ever wondered, have you ever really thought to yourself, God, is this, is this stuff real? Do miracles really happen? Do you really raise people from the dead? Do blind eyes, are they really opened? You know, one of my dear friends our dear pastors, Pastor Trish, you know, suffered a stroke in October. And every day I pray for her and Derek. I talk to them every day. I pray, Lord, raise her up. Her left side is still asleep. Lord, raise her up. And I pray, God, I know you can do this. How incredible would it be if you raised her up? Haven't seen it yet, but you know what? I'm going to keep praying. Doubt creeps in sometimes, and we wonder, can God still do these things? Can miracles still happen? Beloved, they can, and they do. So then here's the next question for us. Where do we start? You know where it all begins? By listening. Hearing the voice of God, knowing his heart. Miracles flow from the heart of God establishing his kingdom here on our planet now. Now that's the challenge when it comes to us, humanity. How many of you know that listening is, is, is a struggle. Most of us struggle to listen. In fact, most of us, when we, when we listen to others, we don't listen to learn. We listen to respond. When's the last time you listened to somebody to actually learn about their heart? We don't listen to, res to respond. We listen to learn. We listen to understand. We're terrible listeners. I, um, one of the things I try to do as a parent is I try to equally you know, spread out all my love equally among my children. They get all my love, and I've also done things to all of them equally so that none of them feels left out. For example, I've left all of my kids at one point or another in a public place. <laughs> thank you, thank you. The funniest by far was my daughter, Tori. This is a picture of Tori. 
Uh, Tori's always like, you know, loved to play ball and stuff like that. So we had one day by our house in Chicago. They had this mini golf place with these cages and, and stuff. So Robin and I were coordinating getting our middle child, hello, getting our middle child where she needed to go for, for practice. So Tori always wanted to go to the cages for practice. No big deal. I was doing stuff at church. Robin said, listen, we have to coordinate. She says, I will meet you at the batting cage. I've got some stuff I got to do. This is what I heard. I'll meet you at the batting cage. I'll be there with the uniform. You stay there. I'm going to go do my thing. You let her hit, do all the stuff she is. I will pick her up then to take her to practice, and you can go back to church. That's what I heard. So we get there, and Tori's there, and the uniform's there. Tori goes to the bathroom, gets her uniform changed. Everything's great. She goes out. She hits the cage. Everything's done. I'm like, okay, mom's going to be here in a second. I'll see you later. Bye. I leave. About 10 minutes later, I get a phone call. Um, it's an unknown number. I'm, on, I'm a pastor. It could be anybody in our church. Church is a couple thousand people. I pick up the phone. Hey, Pastor TJ, can I help you? I said, and I hear this little voice going, yeah, you can help me. <laughs> and I thought to myself, that voice sounds oddly familiar. <laughs> and I said, who is this? He says, this is Tori, your daughter. Did you forget something? <laughs> I said, I don't think I did. She goes, you did forget something. You forgot me, Dad. You forgot me. I said, sweetheart, no, your mother was supposed to get you. No, that's not how it's supposed to be. And so I said, hold on. I said, I turn, let me turn the car around. I said, don't talk to a stranger. Well, I guess you already talked to a stranger because you got somebody's cell phone. <laughs> so I drive back and I call Robin to say, man, what's going on, blah, blah, blah. And you know what she did? She, she told me what she said. <laughs> and it was slightly different than what I heard. And she was um, Correct. So I picked up Tori, who was extremely pleasant. She had the best game ever because she was mad. It was great. Like, ah! Sometimes we hear what we want to hear. Sometimes we will even distort the voice of God because we hear what we want to hear. The goal for us, the miraculous, begins with listening clearly. Jesus modeled this for us. The way that he did things, how he did things, with the power that he did things, he didn't do those things in his own power. He didn't do those things over his own whims. He did those things because he could hear the voice of the Father clearly, and he did what the Father asked him to do, plain and simple. So he modeled this for us, and he gave us a blueprint of how we're supposed to operate in this way in order to be a fully devoted disciple where miracles follow us. Beloved, we are created for miracles. Not just for us, we hold on to them. So we can bring God's heart to the world. If you got your Bibles, turn to John chapter 14. This is a great passage. Again, if you got your phone, you can get our app, you get my notes. If you got the U version of the Bible, look for a live event, you get me. If not, look at the big screen. But do me a favor, Get you a Bible. Get your nose in your own book. Know what you believe. Don't believe these because I tell you stuff. I mean, I'm usually trustworthy, but John 14, 6 says this. Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. If you really known me, you would know who my Father is. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. And look what Philip says. Verse 8, Philip said, Lord, show us the Father, and we'll be satisfied. Now, Jesus just told him, if you look at the Father, you see me, you see the Father. So at some point, Jesus has got to be like, oy vey. You know, what's going on here, guys? Look at verse 9. 
Jesus replied, have I been with you all this time, Philip, and yet you still don't know who I am? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. So why are you asking me to show him to you? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words I speak are not my own, but my Father who lives in me does the work through me. Just believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe because of the work that you've seen me do. And then look at verse 12. This is where it gets real and scary for us as believers. I tell you the truth. Anyone who believes in me will do the same works that I've done and even greater works because I'm going to be with the Father. By the way, that word anyone, you know who Jesus is talking about? You. Me. We're the anyone. Verse 13. So you can ask for anything in my name and I'll do it. So the Son of God can bring glory to the Father. Yes, ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. Now, this is an incredibly important passage. Why is it important? It gives us a window into how Jesus operates with the Father. It also gives us, again, some insight on one of the most important elements for us to be a believer that where signs and wonders follow them. And we see it in verse 10. Look at verse 10 again. It says this, don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father's in me? The words I speak are not my own, but the Father who lives in me does his work through me. So for us, being a disciple is this. It's allowing God to do his work in you and through you. All of that begins in the same place, hearing God's voice. If you don't know what he wants you to do, beloved, you'll never be able to be the disciple that he wants you to be. So what do you think of when you, when you hear that phrase, to hear God's voice? Do you freak out? Are you like, Pastor TJ, that is not for me. I mean, what's it sound like to hear God's voice? You know, do only intergalactic Christian people hear God's voice? No. Hearing God's voice is something that's for all of us. When it comes to hearing God's voice, there's a few things we need to know. The first is this. All of us can hear God's voice. All of us have the capacity to hear. You don't have to be an intergalactic Christian. You don't have to be Mother Teresa. All you have to be is listening. John 10, 27 puts it this way. These are the words of Jesus. My sheep hear my voice, I know them, and they follow me. So if we're a sheep, and everybody say, bah, you're a sheep. Some of you are a little bigger and ready, no, forget it. <laughs> we're all his sheep. You hear his voice because you're a sheep. So then that opens us up to the next question. Well, if God is speaking to us, how does he speak to us? See, our challenge sometimes is this. We, we have this narrow vision on how God speaks to us. He can only speak to us this way, this way, and this way, but... The Bible shows us a plethora of ways that God speaks to us. Do you know why we don't know that? Because we don't read the Bible. We listen to people talk about the Bible, but we don't read the Bible for ourselves. So how does God speak to us today? Well, one of the things that he does is first is this. He speaks to us through the word, through scriptures. I have people all the time, guys, that, that, that will say, Pastor, I have to an appointment with you. I've got to talk to you. And they'll come and sit in my office and say, Pastor, I don't know what's going on. I, can just not, I cannot hear God. And I ask them the question, every time they ask me, I say, the first question I ask them is, do you read your Bible? And nine out of ten say, well, well, no. The Bible is the primary delivery system, which is how God speaks to you. So usually what I do is I take a Bible off my shelf, and I'll go read this. But I don't understand, how is God going to speak to me? I'll go, Nye! get your nose in the book, read the book. This is why it's important that you intake the Word of God every day. Get it in you every day. 
I can't tell you how it will transform your life. Get it in you every day. Read a chapter. I met with a guy a couple weeks ago. Good dude. Yeah, where do I start? I said, I told him what my youth pastor told me 30 years ago. I said, get in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Read them. Read a chapter a day. And just let the Holy Spirit ruminate those things in you. Start to build the muscle of understanding that. God will speak to you through scriptures, but you've got to read the book. John 6.63 says this, The Spirit alone gives eternal life. Human effort accomplishes nothing. And the very words I have spoken to you are spirit and life. The words that Jesus speaks are spirit and life. Get them in you. The second way he speaks to you is through the Holy Spirit. Your faith has to have room in it for the Holy Spirit to operate. This is not just an internal mental exercise. Your faith is not built on all the scripture that you've memorized and all the Bible that you know. It's a part of it, but it's not all of it. It's not the center. Do you know what the center is? The Holy Spirit at work in your life. He develops the fruit. He brought you close to the Lord. He brings that that piece of transformation in your life. And it's funny, sometimes as believers, we allow the Holy Spirit to draw us to God, but once we get saved and we give our hearts to God, then we're like, okay, God, I got it from here, and we just try to go on our own mental and physical efforts. That's not how this works. So your faith has to have a Holy Spirit component to it. Talk to the Holy Spirit. Listen to the Holy Spirit. I don't know if you know this or not. He's God. You know where you're at today? Trinity. God the Father. God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. The Trinity is not like the Beatles. There's no lesser, you know, we got Paul and you got all, you know, John and then, you know, Ringo. There's no Ringo in the Trinity. He's God. Allow the Holy Spirit to operate in your life. Be open to the Holy Spirit. Talk about him. John 16, 13 says this, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own, but he'll tell you what he's heard, listening and they'll tell you about the future. The third way that God speaks to us is through the prophetic. What is the prophetic? The prophetic is God using people to speak to us. It's not crazy. It's not weird. It's all through the Bible. Read it. If you've got questions, read 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14. Bless you. Hallelujah. Right? The prophetic. Now, we did this. A couple weeks ago, we did a thing called Encouraging Words. What was that? It was an opportunity for you to come down and to hear prophetic unction from people to speak things into your life. The best, we got emails back of stuff that had happened. I love Encouraging Words because you could tell if God's hitting on things. You know, ladies will walk back and usually their, their mascara that starts here ends up here because they're crying. And you're like, was that good? And they're like, yeah. Best email I got was a great email and uh, in response to Encouraging Words. And it said something like this. It said, I sat down, told them my name. They told me everything about me. God is real. End of story. The prophetic's important. Why? It lets us know that we are in God's radar. He has a purpose and a plan for our lives. And his heart is not to allow you to wander through the darkness. If you're wandering, and if you've been wandering for a long time, beloved, that is, that's the enemy. That's not God. Why would he do that to you? to jerk you around. He loves you. He brings you close. Talk to him. He'll speak to you. He loves you. This is what 2 Peter 1.21 says. Prophecy has never been a product of human initiative, but it comes when men and women are moved to speak on behalf of God by the Holy Spirit. That's what it is. 
Fourth, this is how he speaks to us. Dreams and visions. I know you're like, you know, what you talking about, Willis? Does God use dreams and visions? Yeah. It's all through the Bible. He did it back then and he still does it now. Joseph, stepfather of Jesus, had a dream. In the dream, God said, Mary, everything she told you is right. Take her to be your wife. Everything's going to be fine. So you know what he did? He did it. God speaks to us all the time through dreams and visions. Have you ever wondered why God speaks to us in dreams sometimes? Do you know why? Because some of you won't be quiet enough to listen. When you're sleeping, he can talk to you. Dreams mean things, they do. Joel 2.28 says this, Then after doing all these things, I'll pour my spirit upon all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy, your old men will dream dreams, and your young men will see visions. This is the time we live in today. They come and they're active. Fourth, fifth, excuse me, God will speak to us through supernatural encounters. Well, no, what do you mean supernatural encounters? You know, Pastor TJ, you're making us nervous, and we don't talk about this stuff because the world's nervous about supernatural things. And to that I say, the world is not nervous about supernatural things. Do me a favor. Go home today when you get done and go on your guide of your TV, and I want you to look and look at all the things that deal with the paranormal that deal with spiritual things, that deal, even some of your ancient alien people, which I love, you know, all that stuff, right next to Bigfoot, that's number two. The world is hungry for supernatural things. Why do they not encounter it in our churches? Because we don't talk about it, even though it's a huge component to who we are. So God will show up and he'll set up things in your life that are supernatural that you cannot explain, encounters and stuff like that. Because he loves you and he wants to bring you along. This is a great example of that. This is Exodus chapter 3. This is the story of the calling of Moses. All of us know the story. And we think, well, that's what God did back then. But he could never do that today, right? Why not? He hasn't changed. It says, now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to, to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in the flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, this is great, I'll go over and see this strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, again, God drew him. God called him from within the bush, Moses, Moses, and Moses said, here I am. Can God still do stuff like that? Absolutely he can. Sixth, God speaks just through creation. I'm a, um, I'm a creation person. I love to get out, get my head in the wind, and allow God to speak to me through sunrises, through sounds, through scents, through nature. And I don't know if you know how powerful it is, but God can speak to you through it. In fact, I have some people come to me and say, Pastor, I don't, I don't need to go to church. My church is the outdoors I hunt. When I hunt, I feel God. You know what I pray when people tell me that? Lord, may they not see any deer at all. In fact, Lord, I pray all those deer would be in our parking lot. And they drive by and they don't see the deer because they're all here. Protect those deer, Lord. It's not either or, it's and and both. This is what the Bible says about how creation speaks to us. Psalm 19.1 says this, The heavens proclaim the glory of the Lord. The skies display His craftsmanship. 
Day after day, they continue to speak. Night after night, they make him known. They speak without a sound or word. Their voice is never heard, yet their message is gone throughout the earth, and their, and to, and their words are to all the world. That's how creation speaks. God will use creation to speak to you. Be listening. Listen to what he says. Seven, God will use angels to speak to you. Do you know what that word angel means? Messenger. God uses angels to send us messages. He will. It's all through the Bible. How did Mary know that she was going to be, you know, pregnant through the Holy Spirit? What was the name of the angel? Take a chance. What was it? Gabriel. Somebody like, him. <laughs> it's got to be a trick question. Ha ha, I got you. Why would I do that to you? I'm not going to do that to you. Right? Here's another angelic encounter from Daniel chapter 10. And I think it's interesting because it also gives us a window into how the spirit world operates. This is in your Bible. This is in every Bible that you hold on to. This is Daniel Chen 4. It says this. On April 23rd, as I was standing at the bank of the great Tigris River, I looked up and I saw a man dressed in linen clothing with a belt of pure gold around his waist. His body looked like a precious gem. His face flashed like lightning and his eyes flamed like torches. His arms and feet shone like polished bronze and his voice roared like a vast multitude of people. Verse 7, only I, Daniel, saw this vision. The men with me saw nothing, but they were suddenly terrified and ran to hide. Thanks, guys. <laughs> you know, trouble's coming. Hello? Hello? Everybody's gone, right? Verse 8, so I was there left alone to see this amazing vision. My strength left me, my face grew deathly pale, and I felt very weak. Then I heard a man speak, and when I heard uh, the sound of his voice, I fainted and I lay there with my face to the ground. Just then a hand touched me and lifted me, still trembling, to my hands and knees. Verse 11, and the man said to me, Daniel, you're very precious to God. So listen carefully to what I have to say to you. Stand up, for I've been sent to you. Uh, when he said this to me, I stood up, still trembling. Then he said, don't be afraid, Daniel. Since the first day you began to pray for understanding and to humble yourself before God, your request has been heard in heaven, and I've come to answer your prayer. Verse 13, but for 21 days, the spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia blocked my way. Then Michael, one of the archangels, came to help me, and I left him there with that spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia. Now I'm here to explain what will happen to your people in the future, for this vision concerns a time yet to come. So Daniel has an encounter with an angel that brings his request from God. Angels bring requests to us today. Eight, another way that God speaks to us is through people. Do you know that your faith was never designed to be independent? It was always designed to be interdependent. You know, we talk about having a personal relationship with God, and I know what we mean by that, but sometimes we take that to the extreme level that God never intended it to be. Do you know the very nature of God is relational? God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. He didn't have to do it that way, but he did. Why? To show us something is important about relationship. Be connected with people. You don't see all things. I don't see all things. I didn't know the more hair on my head, the bigger my head looked. My wife gave me that knowledge today. 50 years after I probably needed it. People are important and they speak life to us. Hebrews 10.24 puts it this way. Let us consider how to inspire each other to greater love and to righteous deeds. Not forgetting to gather as a community as some have forgotten but encouraging each other, especially as they did uh, as the day of his return approaches. And then last, how God speaks to us. It's that, 
that still small voice that he speaks to us through the Holy Spirit in. All of us have it. The Holy Spirit lives in your heart. He speaks to you. And it's weird because you can't articulate what it sounds like. You just, you just kind of know. And when the Holy Spirit, when you give him reign in your life, he'll speak to you in ways that will motivate you and put you in positions to act out his will and act out his kingdom. How many of you have heard the still small voice of the Spirit? You know, It's not like, do we hear it or not? You know what the problem is? Do you do what it asks you to do? Sometimes it's, it's a little strange, it's a little weird, but you just do it. I think one of the first times I heard the voice of God like that, and I've told the story here before. I was a youth pastor in Brooksville, Florida. I was 21 years old. They hired me as a youth pastor. Why people would trust me with kids at 21 years old, it still befuddles me. I wouldn't trust me with, with you know, grasshoppers, but they gave me living children. So I'm there, I'm at the church, didn't make any money. It was, we were very poor. Um, and uh, I remember I'd, I'd saved up to buy a pair of tennis shoes. Most of the time we bought our shoes from the Goodwill because that's all we could afford. But I actually had a decent pair of tennis shoes. I was a youth pastor. I thought if I'm going to school these kids on the basketball court, i got to have some nice kicks, right, and do this stuff. So I'm sitting there. It was a rainy day. It was just me. And then Bob, our custodian, was there. I hear a knock at the door. And there's a dude there, and he's just a mess. He's dirty. He's got a backpack. He's just a mess. I invite him in. I get him some coffee. We start talking. And he's just passing through. He's trying to get home. We're in Brooksville, Florida. I think he lived in Georgia. As we're talking, I'm trying to minister to him. I'm learning about this whole thing. We get to a place. I pray with him. I said, what do you need? How can I help you? He says, if you could take me to the bus station, that would be great. I said, great. So I get one of our vans. And as we're walking, it's raining like crazy outside. I look and I notice his feet. He's got these dirty sneakers with holes in them and stuff. It just looks terrible. And as we get into the van... I hear this still small voice inside, inside of me. It says, TJ, give him your shoes. And I spoke to the Lord very clearly and I went, no. <laughs> I earned these shoes. This cost me, no. That must be the devil. The devil spoke that to me. God did not speak that to me. Anything I don't like, it's the devil, right? By the way, he was an angel of light, which means he masquerades, even in know what you believe. So as we're driving, we're driving, I start to bargain with God. Have you ever bargained with God? I said, Lord, I, I don't know if it's you or not. I'm going to throw some fleeces out. I'm going to ask him his shoe size, and if his shoe size is the same as mine, I'm going to take that as a sign that perhaps we should continue our conversation. So we're talking, hey, hey. I don't even remember the kid's name. Hey, I'm looking at your shoes there. Those are vintage. That's what we call old things now, Vintage. I said, yeah. I said, no, look at your feet. I said, what size are those? He goes, I'm about a nine and a half. I went, nuts. <laughs> and it just kept getting stronger and stronger and stronger. Finally, we got to the bus stop, and he's getting ready to leave. I said, dude, before you leave, I said, will you do me a great favor? I said, I love your shoes. <laughs> I said, can we trade shoes? I'm totally into vintage. Can we trade shoes? He goes, why do you want these shoes? I, I just, I don't know. I just can't really have your shoes. Let's just trade them. These, I don't like these at all. So I give him my shoes, and he walks off. He starts crying. He walks off, and I drive off. I drive till he gets on a bus. I drive to the end. There's trash receptacle. I throw his shoes in the trash receptacle. I got wet socks. I drive back to the church, and I'm mumbling, and I'm, you know, with God. No, thanks, God. Didn't need those shoes anyway. Who likes Nikes? I get to the church, and I, I walk to my office in my sop and wet sock feet. Now, I didn't know this. Bob had just mopped all the floors and just did all the floors. So as I walked, I left wet footprints. I was very easy to find. I'll just say that, wet footprints. 
And uh, he came in my office mad. He goes, I can't just mop the floor, blah, blah, blah. And he looked down. He goes, he's an older guy. He goes, where are your shoes? And I said, well, I lost them. He looked at me. He says, did you give those, that guy your shoes? And I said, yeah, Bob, I gave him my shoes. And he went, ah, and he walked away. The next day, I come in, he goes, get in the car. You know what he did? He took me and bought me a pair of shoes. That old curmudgeon. I took them. I did. The still small voice. Here's my advice to you this morning. Listen to the still small voice. Listen to it. Perhaps God wants to do supernatural things through you. I don't know what happened with that kid. Maybe that was his moment where he was like, God, you see me. There are those things that we just don't quite get. We don't understand. Romans puts it this way. Romans 8 says this. And the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray, but the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. Sometimes the Holy Spirit impacts us in ways that we can't express in words, but he does it. Here's the bottom line. How God speaks to you is not really the most important thing. The most important thing is this, that you listen and that you respond. Listen and respond. Jesus modeled this for us. He told us in John 12, 49, I don't speak on my own authority. The Father who sent me has commanded me what to say and how to say it. That's the goal. I know what you're thinking. Pastor TJ, that's great, but I am not Jesus Christ. I affirm that. I had a kid who played baseball for, for me in, in Colorado. His name was Jesus. He used to call me pastor coach. And he always wanted me to call him Jesus, which I refused. He said, well, you know, my name could also be pronounced Jesus. I'd say, Jesus, run a lap. Get out of my face. I'm not calling you Jesus Christ. I know him. You're not Jesus Christ. I understand that you're not Jesus. But I also understand this. I understand not only what God has done in your life, but I understand what the call of a disciple really is. As disciples of Jesus, that is more than just the church we belong to. That's more than just the things that we know. It's how we live our fundamental lives. So it's important that we hear God's voice. Why? Well, we're reminded of why it's so important in verse 12. He says this again. I tell you the truth. Anyone who believes in me will do the same works that I've done and even greater works because I'm going to be with the Father. You can ask for anything in my name and I'll do it so the Son can bring glory to the Father. Yes, ask me for anything in my name and I'll do it. So the first thing is this. It's important that we all understand that all of us can hear God's voice. And we're almost done. The second most important thing is this. All of us are called as disciples to do greater works. Greater works is not just for the select few. It's part of the mode of what it means to be a disciple. Now, I know that this is daunting, but it's true. You were designed to carry more than just the stories of old of what God used to do. As believers, we are not built and created just to accumulate knowledge. We were never designed to be saved and then to distance ourselves from all the hurting and broken people like we used to be. He saves us for a reason. We're designed to be like Jesus. We're called to be like Jesus. That's what a disciple is. He gave us this commission. We become a disciple. We make disciples. Matthew 28, 19 is very clear. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. 
It's funny, all the churches, we all have the same commission. What's the difference? You know what the problem is? We don't know what a disciple is. We define disciple differently. So what is a disciple? When you hear that word, what do you think of? What do you think of when you hear a disciple? You know what you usually think of, what you've been taught by somebody else. You know what that's like? Just because you heard from somebody else doesn't mean that it's true. Sometimes we pass along bad copies. How many remember the old copy machines? You always want that original. If you can't get the original, just give me a copy. Just give me. By the time you do that like 22 times, you can't even read the print anymore. It doesn't even look like the original. We got to be careful. So when Jesus talked about being a disciple, what did he mean? So for us to understand this, we have to put our world to the side. Our understanding to the side, and we have to go into Jesus' world. So back in his day, back to the Jews, when they had disciples, that word disciple in Hebrew is Talmud. And basically back in the day, this is what a Talmud would do. This is somebody that would give up their entire life to be with their teacher. A disciple would not just seek to, to know what the teacher knew, but he wanted to embody everything that the teacher was. Now, there's different, you know, there's different uh, levels of education in the Hebrew system. I'm going to skip them all. I'm going to go to the last one. You get stuff for the little kids, stuff for the middle-range kids. And again, how many of you ever heard of the, the term bar, bar mitzvah? That's when you have the party, you know, the young man's 12. You know, in Greeks, we would get upa, and we dance around, and everything's great. But that was a sign back in Jewish day of manhood. And then what would normally happen is this. You would have your bar mitzvah, and depending on who you were, if you were ordinary, you would go back to your mom and dad's house. You'd probably take up your, your family's business, carpentry, tent making, whatever it was, and you would live out the rest of your life. But if you were extraordinary, gifted, talented, that there was something in you, they would pass you along to the next level, which was uh, Midrash, Bet Midrash. Now, at this level, this was incredible. They would actually give you a rabbi, and, and this rabbi would, would, would raise you and to help you to understand all that you needed to do so that you could possibly follow this rabbi. So a student, they would leave their home, they would travel with this rabbi as part of their education. And the goal was very simple. To be his disciple meant to be like him. Now, in Bet Midrash, there were four key things that the disciple had to embody, had to become in order to be like the rabbi. So when Jesus talked about being a disciple, these are the four things that he targeted. The first, he had to memorize the teacher's words. He had to know what the rabbi knew. Now, their society was different than ours. They didn't write down a lot of their, most of the, the, the scrolls and the scriptures and stuff, they were, were all scripture-based. They didn't have books that were amend, you know, addendums to, to what was written. All that stuff was passed on orally. So they had to know what the teacher knew. The scrolls were reserved for the scriptures. The second thing that the disciples needed to, to know and learn was the rabbi's interpretations of the scriptures. They based their interpretations on value. They'd have the same value system of the rabbi. You know what made Jesus interesting? He had a different value system than the teachers of his day. His heart wasn't to throw people away so that they could hold on to the razor knife letter of the law. Over and over again, he reminded people of the heart of God, the value system of God. 
The woman at the well, the woman caught in adultery, Zacchaeus in a tree. The value system of the kingdom. The third thing that the disciple needed to know or needed to embody was he had to be able to do what the rabbi did. Now, this is weird. It's not enough to know it all. It's not enough to just have the heart. you got to do what the rabbi did. Now, Jesus was, I don't know if you know this, Jesus was amazing. Hello. He sprinkled this concept through Scripture. One of my favorite examples of this is, you know, Jesus is speaking to all the people and he feeds the 5,000. And I love, you got to love the disciples, man. The disciples are hanging out with Jesus and Jesus is doing all this teaching. And they're like, okay, Jesus, it's late. The people are hungry. How many of you get hangry? The people are getting hangry. So you got you to gotta let them go home so they can find food. And what does Jesus tell his disciples? You remember? They give him the problem. What does he say? You feed them. With what? Air? What, what, do we, what do you mean you feed them? There's a concept there. Jesus could have just went like this and taken care of the whole thing, but he didn't. Why? When it comes to discipleship, there's always something for us to do. And then what does he do? He tells the disciples, get them down, to have them sit down in groups of 50. And then he asks them this question. What do you have? What do they present to him? Measly loaves and fishes. What are you going to do with measly loaves and fishes? Right? So what do they say? If you look at the scriptures, we only have this. That word only is a big word. Sometimes we look at God's provision through the eyes of lack. Now God could have done anything. He could have fed people out of thin air, but he didn't. Very rarely does he do things with nothing. He can, but very rarely does he do that. Why? Because he wants us to give him what we have. So what does he do? He takes what he's given, he blesses it, and he breaks it. What does he bless? The lack. He blesses the lack, and from the lack comes more than enough. Some of you are stuck in your lack. And God wants you to bless your lack, not complain about your lack. Do you see me, beloved? Look into my eyeballs. How can God bless you with more when you're not grateful for the stuff that he's given you? He blesses the lack, and a miracle happens. Now, Jesus is a part of the miracle, but you know who else is? The disciples. You know what he was telling them? Someday, you're going to do this because I'm not going to be here. So you know what we're going to do? We're going to do it together. We're going to partner with this thing because to be a disciple, you have to do what I do. Are you with me? And then the last thing he does is this. Or the fourth thing that you need is this. Disciples have to make their own disciples. That's the fourth component. You have to pass along what you've learned. So when he said, go and make disciples, that's what he was talking about. So if that's the criteria of being a disciple, how are you doing in the disciple category? It's a challenge for all of us but it's real. So this whole month we're talking about miracles. Miracles should not be extraordinary. We should be naturally supernatural. They should be part of our rhythm every day, every night, every morning, every evening. So what is God looking for when it comes to a church in order for us to walk into those miraculous things? He's just looking for you to listen, 
when God speaks to you, step out. Bow your heads with me. I know we ran a little late. Forgive me for that. I want you to have a conversation with the Holy Spirit real quick. And it's going to be two things. The first is this. What is God speaking to you? What does he want you to do? Are you allowing the Holy Spirit to speak to you? Clearly. Or are you muddying up the waters? Pray for God to give you clarity. And the second is this. What do you believe God for? How big is your faith? Is your faith contained to your limitations? Or is your faith based on the creator of the universe? God wants to radically spread his kingdom on the planet. And he wants to do it through you. And not just through your natural abilities, but through that thing he puts in your heart to take a step to give God a window, an opening, to be able to speak his heart and flood our earth with miracles. So last night we did something simple. We just prayed for God to do miraculous things. There are people here today, you have needs. You've got, you need healing in your body. You know, we talked about infertility. That's still in my heart. Maybe we've got to pray over you again for God to, to, to open wombs and things. Maybe you're here, you need healing in your relationships. Maybe you need provision, all of these things. Regardless of what you need, God is here to meet those needs. So I'm going to invite the prayer team to join me. And I'm just going to pray a prayer. And at the end of the prayer, if you need anything, I'm going to pray that God would fill you with faith. And today would be a day of miracles. I'm just going to let you know, last night, you know, some of you know, I'm, I'm a diabetic, a fragile diabetic. And I prayed last night again. I had somebody pray with me for God to heal me from that. I'm tired of walking with diabetes. And I'm going to keep praying until God meets the need. So let me pray, and then if you need prayer, I want you to come up. Father, we believe you are who you say you are. We believe, Lord, that you can do all the things that you say you can do. So, Father, right now, I pray that today would be a day of miracles. Flood this place, Lord God, with your supernatural power. In your name, amen. Thanks for listening to the Trinity Community Church Podcast. We hope this met you exactly where you are. To learn more about us, head to our website at tccde.com or follow us on social media at Trinity Community Church. TCC, a home for you.